in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. We do have to start the front page. With Iowa State basketball losing to Oklahoma in the first round of the Big 12 tournament last night, Iowa State, their season is over after a 2-22 and year. I'm assuming the Vegas 16 is not resuscitating to come invite Iowa State no. to play. Uh, so their season should be over at 2-22. and uh, The update, though, from Iowa, the Des Moines Register, is that Steve Prom said he will not meet with his athletic director until next week uh, about his job. And that's because his athletic director is on the selection committee. So his athletic director doesn't have time for his own school right now and won't fire his coach until next week, uh, which is what everybody in Iowa assumes to, uh, uh, at least assumes is going to happen with Steve Prom. That'll be good. Yeah, TJ uh, will be available then. Well, I was watching the game last night against uh, Lon Kruger in Oklahoma, and they were talking about Steve Prom and how he'd had like continuing discussions throughout the year with the AD. And the way they put it, I can't remember the exact wordage was, he knows he's gone. He's happy with what they built. Um, and the other thing is, then they mentioned all these guys that went early to the league and, you know, these recruits went early. Well, if you're in the power five, that's pretty much most schools that you're going to usually have guys who jump early. So I don't know if he can really use that as a reason of why they went like two and 20, whatever, and didn't win a game in conference. So it, it seemed the, the, the report was uh, it's understood what's going to happen and they're trying to do it, you know, in the best way possible. I'm out. Colton Miller's fifth-year option will be $10.8 million. Uh, so first-round picks in the NFL, if you're unaware, you sign a four-year deal, but there is a fifth-year team option. But the salary goes up pretty significantly in that fifth year, and it's uh, the deadline this year is May 3rd for teams to pick up the fifth-year option on players from Colton Miller's draft class. So this would be for the 2022 season. Miller's under contract for this year. This would be for next season, the 2022 season. Uh, do you think the Raiders pick it up? Yes, because he's been there longer than two years. So I think there's a rule: if you can last more than two years, they'll pick your option up. Um, <laughs> if you usually they sign you and give you a bunch of guaranteed money, and you're cut by the second year. So I, I think they pick it up. I think they like him a lot, and he's young, and he plays a really important position, one of the most important positions on the field. So yeah, I mean, and. If you think he's a top left tackler that he's going to be eventually, I'd imagine those guys are, you know, more than 10.8 down the road. So I think they absolutely think they pick him up. The curious part is going to be next offseason because that's when the rookie class of Cleveland Furl, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abram all have to have their fifth-year options picked up. And I'm curious to see what the Raiders do with that and all three of them because... You can make an argument, probably on all three, depending on what the price is, that you might not want to pay them for the production they give you because, I mean, they come back and tell you Cleveland Furl, he plays edge rusher, which is one of the more expensive possess uh, positions. If he's worth $12 million, are you paying Cleveland Furl $12 million to get you four sacks in a year? Jonathan Abram, you're paying him $8 million to miss a bunch of tackles. I'm fascinated to see what they do next year with their rookies and the fifth-year options. Okay, of the three, we can both rank them uh, most likely to be cut down to not likely. I will go Furl, Abram, Jacobs. 
Uh, you think Furl's most likely to, to be let go? Yeah, of, of those other two. I don't think they'd move on from Jacobs, but Furl, Abram, Jacobs, I think Furl would be the one. I think Furl's going to be the safest of the three. Really? I really? do. I, I think they love him a lot, and they think he's so great against the run, whereas <laughs> Jonathan Abram, I, he's to me, Abram's the one that's most likely to go. Really? If, he's, if he has a bad year this year, you can't pick that up. And then Jacobs, maybe it's just me and I'm projecting what I would do, but depending on what that what that number is, like Saquon Barkley's is over ten million this year. I just don't think you should be paying a running back over ten million dollars. And depending on how Jacobs' season, I mean, if he runs for twelve hundred yards, they're going to pick it up. But right, if he has another down year like he did, you can make an easy argument to say no, you're not picking that up. Like we're not paying Josh Jacobs that much money to be an average running back. So you're suggesting they're going to keep the number four overall pick because he's good against the run as an edge rusher. They are. They love that. <laughs> they are not letting that go. He is gonna. They're going to sign him to a Khalil Mack type deal just to prove they were right about it. Yes. Here you go. Guarantee that they signed Josh Jacobs to a deal bigger than. Like like the the highest he's gonna be the highest paid running back. You're right. They'll probably extend him for seven years at thirty million a year before he even gets to the fifth year option. You're right, Jared. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. Uh, Kansas and their athletic director Jeff Long mutually parted ways yesterday. He got fired. Jeff Long uh, did fire Les Miles last Friday night. Um, I, I are you surprised they fired Jeff Long for over this? Like, Ooh. are they simply saying, "Hey, you hired a creepy guy. Your vetting process wasn't good enough. You're gone." I mean, it's not the first strike in Kansas. The the basketball yeah, programs true. had issues with the, with uh, the NCAA, and and this, you know, I mean, if you need a last straw, hiring someone who's a creep and has been, you know, at sexual uh, uh, harassment issues, that's a pretty easy layup if you want to get rid of a guy. So. I guess not because his time at Kansas has not been good as the AD. So maybe it was building. And then after this, they're like, all right, we just can't hang on to this guy. So they move on from it. If this was the very first thing, he had been a great AD. Maybe he can escape it. But I think this was the last straw. The best part about this from Kansas, though, is how bad it makes LSU look. Because Kansas not only fired Les Miles for something he did at a different school that LSU did not fire him for. They then fired their athletic director yeah. afterwards, too. And LSU's like, what? We, uh, Yeah, we let him keep coaching. Why wouldn't we? He won a national championship. How about creepy LSU within that investigation? There's actually the insinuation that we had to protect the brand. Yeah, well. Man, if that's not SEC, I don't know what is. That's basically what Texas Man. is doing right now yeah. with the Jeez. Eyes of Texas song. They yeah. got to protect the brand. The brand oh. of Texas is all the donors. So, yeah, I mean, that's... That's going to come up, I think, almost any time there's an issue like this. Is yeah, yeah, the brand is important. We can't let this get... It's almost like the royal family. We can't let anybody know about this. Next question. Okay, this is, this is just a bizarre story, because I don't even know if you're allowed to do this in the NHL, but Evander Kane and the San Jose Sharks might void his contract. Um... Now, Evander Kane has declared bankruptcy or filed for bankruptcy. Uh, Basically, his source of income is his NHL salary. So any of his creditors, that's where they would be getting the money from. 
But if they void the contract and he doesn't have a contract and isn't playing in the NHL, then there's nothing for the creditors to draw from. So I I don't know. I guess it's a good way to stick a middle finger to the people you owe money to if you're a Vander Kane. But yeah. I, is Evander Kane just not going to play hockey anymore? Because I feel like if he signs a different contract, he'd still have to pay him. Evander's still coming off as a good guy, nice guy here uh, with the uh, with all that's going on here. I okay, you bring up a good thing. I I mean, I guess you can void a contract. I mean, there's always I, there's got to be language within contracts that they can be voided. But my next question was, and it might be very simple, and I'm missing something. Then do they turn around and sign him to a lesser deal, or does he not play anymore? Like. I didn't understand all this. I mean, I get the void of the contract, and I feel bad for the creditors because that's a bunch of BS if you do that. But at the end of the day, maybe you know this. What does that mean? I, I Does he play for free? I, I didn't get that part of it. Well, he- I, I don't either because NHL contracts are, are guaranteed. Like, you sign the contract. It's on, you know, it's against it's a salary cap hit until the contract's yeah. up or you trade it. So I, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what you're allowed to do in the NHL. It's not it's not football where like nothing is ever guaranteed. Everything's fully right. guaranteed and fully against the cap. Right. I I don't know. I have no idea what this what happens if, if you actually did void the contract and what that means from a hockey standpoint for A a Vander Kane playing again and B the shark salary cap. Alright, so you make him a gig worker. Like you create what? an app. And he has to, like, you know, sign up to play each game, and you basically pay him per game like, as a, like, like an Uber driver, but for, you know, hockey. Like you Venmo his salary after each game? Yeah. It's in California. They've just made that, like, a whole thing. I mean, I get, I mean, I, even if he's filed for bankruptcy, I don't think he's playing for free anywhere, so I guess he's got to be paid something. Man, you know, that's a great question. Stone and Braden McNabb returned to the lineup. Stone had missed one game. Braden McNabb had missed 43. Uh, that comes off the bad news that Alex Petrangelo had to go back to Vegas after his uh, potential hand or wrist injury. But, man, the Golden Knights, I guess you're, you'll you'll take the two-for-one trade-off right there. Oh, boy. I didn't. I didn't. I was at the Rebel game writing, so I, I came back in the middle of the hockey game. Uh, but I, I was able to see that uh, that hit by Braden McNabb. Oh, capital oh, letters and everything. What a hit! If that was if that wasn't a capital letter hit, I don't know what's going on. So, uh, yeah, very very big hit. And then the response from the bench. I mean, it, it, it was just amazing. Changed the game. Almost led them to victory. <laughs> Not really, though. Um, I, I want to fill you in it because during one of the intermission reports, Bob McKenzie was on NBC Sports Network. And they were talking about Alex Petrangelo. And Bob McKenzie, was they they showed when he gets hit with the puck. And they're like, well, the Golden Knights haven't said anything. And they were trying to read into Pete DeBoer's words. But then Bob McKenzie said this. And I think we should be allowed to do this for all injuries in the future. Bob McKenzie said, well, they haven't said it's a hairline fracture. But they also haven't said it's not a hairline fracture. (laughs) So I think... For all Golden Knights injuries, that's how we treat it. Well, they haven't said he tore his ACL, but they haven't not said he tore his oh, ACL either. Oh my God! During a post, like or during a Zoom, someone needs to ask a question that way. <laughs> you haven't said it's not COVID. Do we, well, 
Do we just get I, a list of injuries and I, just I, go down the list with DeBoer? So, Pete, did Alex Petrangelo hurt this? No? Okay. What about this? No? Okay. What about this? I mean, okay, so I think he's – is he trying to make a point that he knows it's hairline fracture? What we don't – what we didn't realize so. is before he came on, they were screaming, you know, Bob, get off the phone with McPhee. You're on. So <laughs> Bob McKenzie jumped on the uh, – after talking to GM Jim, he jumped on and gave that little quip about it might be a hairline fracture. I think I think it's possible Bob McKenzie knows, and that was his way of <laughs> yes, telling us. Yes, yes. But I don't know, and I think that's the only way we should treat Golden Knights injuries until they actually <laughs> give an injury update on uh, what it is. Great question. Excellent. Thank you. All right. The Rangers are going to have 100% capacity of fans uh, for their home opener. But what was most confusing to me, uh, Ken Landry tweeted this out, is – they're going to have 100% capacity for their first home game. And then they're going to reduce capacity after that for the rest of their games. And I'm just like, that's bad. What's the point of that? It? Like, what are we yeah. doing there? Like, we go 100% and then go down? You're supposed to like, work up to a, you're supposed to work up to 100%, not work I mean, down from 100%. Yeah, and look, I have no comment on Texas. Last night I'm watching the news. This is this. All you need to know about Texas is this. I told you about Galveston, no one with masks on. But then the report from Texas is, well, the daily numbers came down today, but the deaths have risen daily. It's like, what, is that supposed to be like a positive thing? Like more people are dying and you had a few less tests in Texas? I can't I can't wait, not for a good thing, for a very bad thing. But the numbers out of spring break, if they even give us numbers, that's the other thing about Texas. I don't believe anything they say anyway. So they might say, oh, everything's good in Galveston. We had 20,000 people with no masks on, but we didn't have any positive tests. All right, coming up next, UNLV basketball, one of the biggest blowouts in Mountain West tournament history. They're going to win it all now. I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. You know, I've been waiting. We've been waiting for Miami spring break for a while. About two months we've had this trip planned. Two, three months. So we're just out here having a good time. Whatever happens, happens. Hamilton down the right side. Gets stopped. Kicks it out to Caleb Grill. Catch and shoot three. Bingo! Caleb Grill knocks down the three. Rebels three from four from long range and lead by nine, 25 to 14. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 FM. I don't know if Jared is trying to tell us that UNLV's players are ready for spring break or not. Yeah. Um, even our rejoins are fantastic here in the press box. But UNLV beat Air Force by 28 points yesterday. It's one of the biggest wins in Mountain West tournament history. Are they back in? They're, they're a legitimate chance to win this thing now, aren't they? Well, if we're going to look on the positive side, which we always do, positive, 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 if they play like they did yesterday – for what would it be three more days, then I think they can win the Mountain West Tournament. The problem has been they have not been able to do that this year. So they looked really good yesterday. They looked really good defensively. I thought they, I mean, I thought they were really good in most ways. So we'll see. I mean, you know, they, they've got to win it all to win it to go. So um, I thought they played well. They played maybe their best defensive game <laughs> since they upset Utah State. Utah State. Uh, when they beat Utah State, that was the best defensive game of the season. Air Force scored .77 points per possession allowed. Uh, they had one game better 
in the regular season that was against a Division One team, and that was against New Mexico, who shouldn't count as a Division One team. Um, but they were very good defensively in that game. However, to me, the biggest factor in that game was Air Force missing three-pointers. It wasn't so much anything UNLV did. It was Air Force shot two of 18 from three in that game. That's 11%, by the way. Whereas in the regular season meetings between UNLV and Air Force, Air Force hit 45% of their threes. Yeah. Like, there wasn't... T.J. Altsberger talked afterwards about how they played uh, harder and more intense and everything, and okay, that's fine. But to go from 45% in the regular season to 11% in a postseason game, that's not simply because UNLV was trying hard. That's because Air Force had a terrible shooting day. And to me, that, that's the key from here on out for UNLV. If they're going to, if they're, if they were going to shock everybody and win this Mountain West tournament, which by the way, the seven seed won the women's side, so a seven seed could actually win this thing. But if they were to shock everybody and win this tournament, the biggest key is going to be their opponents missing three-pointers because they play today against Utah State. And Utah State, when they beat them, Utah State was 5 of 22 from three-point range. And the game plan for UNLV in that game when they won was to overhelp on Nemesh Keita, overhelp when Utah State drove into the paint, and let Utah State shoot threes, except for Brock Miller, because that guy shoots like 40% from three. But that was the plan for UNLV, and that's probably their best chance at winning today when they play Utah State is to, hey, Nemesh Kate is not going to get post-ups without getting doubled, and everybody not named Brock Miller is allowed to shoot, and if you guys go 5 of 22 from three, UNLV's got a chance to win. If Utah State knocks a bunch of threes down, UNLV has no chance. That, to me, is their path to winning is, hey – we, we simply aren't good enough to defend everything, so we're going to take away layups and hope you miss threes. And if Utah State misses threes, they can absolutely beat this team because that's how they did it the first time. Uh, I think it was Rothstein this morning tweeted that uh, Craig Smith told reporters he expects Brock Miller to play. Uh, Brock Miller is now an NHL player because he's been out with an undisclosed injury or something undisclosed. Um, I'm, I'm upset at that. I would hope the Mountain West is a little better in terms of telling us what it is and not be like the NHL. But that's a big, you know, that's a big plus for um, depending on what the injury is, depending on why he was out. That's a big plus for Utah State because, like you said, you have to honor Brock Miller or he could like kill you. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Kate is going to be an issue. I agree with you about Kate being the most dominating player in the league. Um, but I think Mbake Zhang can hold his own against him. Like, I think Mbake Zhang, if he, you know, plays as well as, you know, we've seen him at his height um, uh, of, of, of um, competition this year, I think I think they can hang with him. Now, again, are we going to see the Bryce Hamilton of yesterday? Or are we going to see the Bryce Hamilton of several games in the last month? Like, that's well, a big issue, and I don't know which one we're going to see. Yeah, and that's the second key is, is you know, we need some competent defense, but they also need Bryce Hamilton to be an efficient scorer. Yeah. And he ended the season about as horribly as a player can when you're looking at efficiency. He did not shoot well in, I think he had one game the end of the season where his offensive rating was above 100. And getting above 100 is not that difficult. Almost everybody's always above 100. So he was inefficient in the season. But yesterday he knocked down both his threes. He was 6 of 11 on two pointers. He had 18 points on 13 shots. Like that, if they can get that from him... UNLV might have a chance at having an efficient offense. The problem is, is Air Force is like the worst defense in the conference. 
They're the easiest team to score on. So doing it against Air Force doesn't really mean much going into the future. And doing it against Nemesh Kata and Utah State is much different because you're not going yeah, to get much different. Like, you're not going to get like a single layup in this game. Like that's just no. it's not going to happen. So he's going to have to knock down jump shots for that to be the case in this game. Uh. So that that's the other key, though. They need a competent defense. And they need Bryce Hamilton to actually be efficient when he puts up 18, 20, whatever his scoring total is. Well, and they also, they beat him by three, which, you know, is a good win. And at that point, I remember uh, Moses Wood saying, hey, we've won like, was it five in a row and we're off and we're off. And then they lose three straight and, you know, eight of the last 13. So whatever he thought was going to happen from there on out, it didn't happen for UNLV. <laughs> um, but they lost by, th- they beat him by three. And you might remember this more than I did. I don't think Justin Bean played well at all. And they shot like, you know, like trash, as Mark, Mark Stone said about the Knights last night. So they're going to have to play well because my guess is, Utah State will not play like they did in that first game here, which means UNLV is going to have to raise their level. We saw what happened in the second game when Utah State played a lot more better. I think they won by 9 or 11. So, yeah, UNLV has to play well to win. It might be a simple statement, but when you think of the one game they did beat them, a lot of things went right for UNLV. Mostly, Utah State stunk. So I don't know if you can count on that tonight. Yeah, like you, like basically UNLV baited Utah State into shooting a bunch of threes, and they got you know Raleigh Woister, who's not a good yes, shooter, Raleigh Woister, yes, who who he went one of five from three point range, and Alfonso Anderson, who's an average shooter, he went zero of four from three point range, right? Yeah. So UNLV got the right guys to shoot, but still <laughs> one of five and zero of four is horrible. Are they going to shoot that poorly even if they take nine shots again? Probably not, but if they do, you got a chance. And again, UNLV is not better than Utah State. It's going to take a fairly remarkable uh, upset for this to happen for UNLV. But if it does happen, it is because UNLV and or outshoots Utah State because Utah State has a poor shooting game and UNLV does a good enough job defending the paint. Like that's ultimately, at the end of the day, how you upset Utah State. You know, Riley Worcester, I remember the day after that, I think on the show – uh, I was saying, who? And that guy was, like, horrible. And I think, like, two nights later, Riley Worcester was really good, and they won by 9 or 11. So it's the last time I'm going to take shots at Riley Worcester. He, he's been a solid freshman in the Mountain West. The problem is he's shooting 27% from three. So do, he, there's no reason he should be shooting five threes in a game, but he did. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, he did the first game. He kept he shooting. I'm like, who yeah. is that guy? It's like he's fine, but he's just not a shooter. Stop doing that. All right, coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. Moose, you just keep on moosing. This doesn't concern you. Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK Update with Darren Millsy Millard. Oh, Darren, how are you this morning? Hey, Darren. Awesome. How are you guys Oh, we're good. We're good. It's it's March Madness, baby. It's college basketball season. Come on. Wow. And the Masters around the corner? We got stuff happening. It's great. The Masters. Who cares about golf, Darren? (laughs) Um, A lot of people. A little bit. No, no. Nobody cares about golf. I've only ever placed placed one bet in in my life, like an actual legitimate bet. And it was on the Masters last year to, for Dustin Johnson to win, and I, I walked away from the cash. Wow! Look at you. You're too bad your mm-hmm. luck didn't uh, your luck didn't pan out on the BGK Insider Show with Ryan, and you had to sing the national anthem. Yeah, well, I mean that was a 
just one of those entertainment pieces. That was all scripted. Entertainment pieces. Okay. All right. Here's here's a hockey question for you, Darren. How come it at least it feels like the Golden Knights have more turnovers trying to get out of their own zone against Minnesota than anybody else they play? Yeah, it it does feel that that after the last couple of games. Uh did not as much last week, but certainly uh over the last uh, couple of games at XL Energy Center and, and last night in the first period in particular. Um there's a, there's a new way to to break out of your zone that's that's transitioned in the last probably decade, and that is the safe where you used to exit your your zone and make that play from the defenseman was always on the wall or on the wing. Now now they go up the middle almost uh, uh, across the board. If something goes wrong, and it's a great it's a great way to do it because it gives you so many different options. Once that player gets the puck, he can go left or he can go right or he can carry it up the middle. Uh, and it's uh, it's been one of the great advances in the strategy of our game. The problem is if if that uh, delivery of the puck doesn't uh, go according to plan or is off at all, uh, whether the player receiving it or the player delivering it uh, is 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 uh, not timed perfectly, then it can lead to uh, some angst. And we certainly saw that last night in the first period. It was uh, yeah. it was troublesome. I mean, there was there. Uh, I'll tell, tell you this: the first goal. That was, that was a bit of luck. Uh, it was misfortune on, on Vegas and poor execution by Vegas, but it was also a little bit of luck for uh, for Minnesota, and then it just kind of compounded itself after that. Now, I think I know your answer, but uh, as professional athletes, I think sometimes things get, in, th- th- things get into some people's heads. <laughs> uh, but it, 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 who do you not it, – it's almost like they've had issues, obviously, in Minnesota. But everyone says, well, no, when Colorado starts playing the, their their game, they're going to be the best team or the hardest team to beat. Is there any chance, though, they'd rather avoid Minnesota? Just because, again, the last two or three years, it just seems like a really tough matchup. Does it get in guys' heads? Or if you're saying Colorado and Minnesota, no, no, give them Minnesota every time. Uh, I Yeah, I would, I would always face the – the team with the uh, with the least talented players, and yeah. and that's not a shot uh, as much uh, Minnesota. That's just a huge compliment to the uh, the Nathan McKinnons of the uh, of right. the Colorado Avalanche. So that that would be my my choice, just because I'd rather face a team that can that beat me than a team and a player that can right. that can take control of a game. So that that would be my my assessment on that, but. But uh, Minnesota has taken leaps and bounds. So they've changed their team. They're faster. They're missing a couple of players too, uh, but they're they're much faster, much more creative. And you know, in the same vein, and take this as a compliment, Vegas Golden Knight fans, their their lineup is really built like the Golden Knights. They're big and they're fast, uh, and and not uh, not just one-dimensional uh, in that regard. So uh, th- th- there'll be a challenge if they can, if they can get the goaltending that they have, uh, they, they will be a challenge. Uh, and I'm curious also to see how Kaprizov transitions through this year. Uh, I don't think it'll be an issue, but let's, let's just wait and see where we are. We're not even halfway through the year. Uh, it's been an impressive story for Minnesota, but uh, let's, let's watch and let things play out. Uh, what do you do when the game's on national TV? What did I do last? I watched uh, from my living room, and I did some homework uh, stuff with my uh, my grade five student who wished that much to uh, 
<laughs> to her dismay uh, that I was on uh, on the game last night and, and, and was working the game and not at home. So uh, I do basically my own notes, the same notes that I would during a normal game, but I just, uh, I'm much more comfortable. Okay, we asked this, or Tyler asked this at the top of the hour. I'm going to give him credit for this top of the show. But this Ooh, is interesting. You know what, you know, we're going to put ourselves in this as well. I probably shouldn't put myself as a columnist in this realm, but I will. And Tyler asked a really good question. Alex Tuck last night missed, missed an open net from here to Henderson. I mean, it was just a horrible miss. You have to put that away. And yet, as Tyler made a good point, in hockey and sometimes, sometimes in other sports, those guys don't get vilified. Like if Jonathan Abram, he made uh, the example of the Raiders misses a tackle. We are still talking about the tackle he missed against a certain game. A hockey player does. It's like, eh, he missed it. Why do you think that is? Uh, that's a good point. That's a, that's a really good question. Uh, I, first of all, I, I think that puck was tipped uh, going to the net. I watched it a few times, and I still believe that there, a, the, the stick uh, was, was in on it and slightly deflected it but but you're right i mean the stick shouldn't have been uh impacted when you've got six by four uh and so uh, i don't know why that uh, that that is like if a baseball player drops a a fly ball or what have you then then you're right uh you were you were certainly vilified and what what did we talk about last night we talked about uh the the fact that they they made the the goalie change and and then and had to uh, come back from uh, from a three goal deficit in the third period. We don't talk about the easy way that they they they, they let a point get away from them because they missed an open net. I, I don't have an answer for you on that, but it's never been it's been a footnote more than it's been a headline uh, in in the past when when a player's missed an, a wide open net. Yeah, there we go. I stumped you. I, I, I wish I wish I could give you the answer there, but uh, <laughs> oh, we, but we didn't I, have the answer either. So don't worry about it. The, you're, you're, yeah. you're, well, you're right. Uh, I, I'll let it, I'll let it go as soon as we're off the phone. I'll rinse it and I'll get on with my day. But uh, I don't I don't know why it's not uh, not a carryover conversation. <laughs> um, okay, what uh, should the the news of Robin Leonard going to the Silver Knights for a conditioning loan? I I didn't know if that was good news or bad news because we still don't have a timeline, and it kind of sounded bad because it's a conditioning loan, but it's also good because. He's going to actually be playing hockey. I, I didn't know what to do with that news as far as a timeline and when to expect him back and good or bad news. Well, it's, it's strategic in the sense the team's on the road. So you can't, you've, uh, the only way to get him there without quarantining is, is, is flying him private. And once he gets there, uh, is, is he has to be part of the, the, the roster of the taxi squad. And if he's not ready to play, uh, and and we've seen the the taxi squad and and the backup goaltender have to go in here recently. Then you're putting him and yourself at, at a disadvantage. So if you can, with the team on the road and the Henderson Silver Knights uh, receiving uh, the news that they can get back to to full practices, then he can get into a team atmosphere and uh, and do some regular full practices uh, as as the team. Uh, as the Golden Knights uh, go through their road trip, and he can get up to speed, and and I don't know whether it's the rest of this week that he's on this conditioning assignment or what have you. But uh, by the time the team gets back to T-Mobile to play on Monday, uh, hopefully that uh, that he's much closer to to be able to play. So that's that's it's some of it is just plain old geography and and trying to uh, make sure that uh, because of. Uh, 
quarantining if he takes a commercial flight and et cetera. And some of it is just putting yourself in a better position uh, to win. Because if you're if you're looking at uh, Logan Thompson or Oscar Dansk, the, uh, the, the two other goaltenders who have played uh, minutes this year for the Golden Knights, you'd think that they're in a much better place to, to give you minutes uh, and quality minutes than uh, than Robin Leonard, who hasn't played in, uh, in a while. Does that answer your question? Uh, Kinda. I mean, it, yeah, it, it sounds like good news. It sounds like there, there's a path. Oh, I think to it's him. great news. Yeah, there's a path to him news. being back next week or whenever it is. Like, it sounds like there's a path. It's just we haven't. There's been zero information. There's been no timeline. Yeah. It's kind of like what what the hell even happened to Robin Leonard? And now <laughs> conditioning loan. I is that good because he hasn't been skating in a month? Yeah, he's, yeah, that's or exactly is, what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's I, just just getting getting some reps in. He's been. Uh, I'm, He's been working out or doing different uh, ways to to try and stay active as much as he could. But now you get into into a full team practice where you're exerting yourself for ninety minutes or uh, sixty minutes and and taking shots from players. It's 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 great. Uh, Bob McKenzie goes on TV last night and mentions Alex Petrangelo and that it might that. be. A hairline fracture. I suggested. <laughs> I suggested he had just got off the phone with McPhee. You saw what I did there. Um, but if he actually knows some inside information, being a non-local guy, uh, and it is a hairline fracture, are they? We saw what Coughlin did last night. Take us to the blue line. Are they deep enough? And how much would they miss him if this is a fracture and he's out several weeks? So uh, one with Bob is. Uh, <laughs> I think if he knew what it was. He would say what it was, right. uh, and if there's anybody that's going to know uh, what it is, it would be Bob uh, with with his uh, his contacts and his history uh, within the game. Uh, so, uh, and and I think I think he's putting uh, what he saw with the play along with the the uh, the idea that uh, Petrangelo has been returned to to Las Vegas for for right. further evaluation. I don't know whether he's he's on the money or not, but uh, I was saying all week that it was a great thing that Petrangelo was still with the team because if it was something more serious, then then you, you get returned uh, during the middle of a road trip and and your your doctors take a look at you. So it's obviously uh, reached reach that point. Uh, I I'd like where they are with their blue line. Like it's not great for Petrangelo because that's twice now where he was really rounding into form and his season's been stopped. Uh, once with the COVID and, and now with the, with the injury, but you're seeing this this progression between uh, the the three young players and uh, and Nick Holden uh, being able to to fill the gap. So I think I think they're okay. Uh, they're they're more than okay, uh, but uh, they're going to uh, to take that next step or or take that uh, be be that dominant team. They're still going to need Alex Petrangelo. You try and it's it's not. I don't think it's just getting by without him. They can serve, they can do more than that. But to really elevate the level of their game, they're going to need him back, and they're going to need him back uh, for a lengthy period of time. It's been unfortunate these two little stints that he's uh, he's been out of the lineup. I saw what you did there with his contacts. I got you. I got you. <laughs> I got you. I don't know what you're talking about, Ed. <laughs> Is your name really Ed? I'm not even comfortable doing that right now. What did you think about Harry and Meghan Markle? Oh, God. (laughs) Come on. I thought it was amazing at how there was no leaks from that. Yes. It went on the air, and and everything that that you saw that came out of that was all brand new. It was uh, like that never happened anymore. 
that there's not some kind of, hey, uh, we're getting reports. Somebody from the inside has seen this and saw that, and they said this. Uh, there was none of that. Nobody. The only thing that you saw was what Oprah wanted you to see. Nobody Darn betrays right. Oprah. Nobody. This, it, it reminds me a lot of the press box, actually. You get one chance. You get one chance, and after that, you're out. Uh, we've given you so many chances. Oh, Are you kidding me? It's like done anything bad to you guys yet? No, you're the best. Well, we like it when you do things bad to yeah, us. It's yeah. when you're too nice that we want to yeah. get rid of you. I, I will say this. that uh, I got a text or a tweet uh, the other day. I was tagged on one, and, it, and somebody called the, the Maroons in the morning, and I thought, that's, I've really made it in Las Vegas. <laughs> somebody, somebody on Twitter is using my Maroons line oh, uh, uh, along with me. So I, I, I feel awesome. like I've, I've finally, after a year and a half, two years, <laughs> I'm starting to fit in around here. Oh, he is Darren Millard. <laughs> Darren, we appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. You guys have a great weekend. See you. There you go. Bye. Uh, he, let, he let in on McKenzie. Yeah, you know there's local sources. <laughs> All as right. long as you're not local. <laughs> Coming up next, we are Sharp. I, I'm confident he's going to keep picking we soccer. He did it yesterday. Our Sharp is good to go. Let's go, Nate. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Nate is back in Man City yesterday. They beat Southampton 5-2. to two. Nate, what would you like to pick today? All right, as tempting as these conference tourneys are, going back to the soccer well, we're going to go with Tottenham in Europa. Okay, Tottenham is playing Dinamo Zagreb today. Uh, Yes, we will lock you in for Tottenham against Dinamo Zagreb in the uh, Europa League. That's a good one to pick from. All right, good luck, Nate. I enjoy this uh, soccer-only picks. You might be with us for a very, very long time. Talk to you soon. We're going to keep it going. (laughs) This... This guy is going to be, it's going to be a weekend, and he's going to have every sport imaginable. But he's just going to say, you know what? I've gone with it. Let's go Bishop Gorman girls soccer over Durango. <laughs> and all I have to do is pick the winner. He will not give up on soccer. This guy's going to be the sharp for like the next six years. I will say. I hope he loses today, though. <laughs> I don't want to see Tottenham win. Dinamo Zagreb is who he bet against Tottenham? today. Well, City went down 1-0, you say, right? I mean, he, he must have been a little nervous for a little while, and then... Then he wasn't very nervous. Well, they won five to two, so they survived. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. they were winning to start. Man, oh, they were. Like, I thought they yeah. went down. I thought they went they, down. Okay, they they were. Oh, they were down two. No, no, they were always winning. Okay, never mind. Okay, no, they were always winning. Good, um, good job. Yes, I'm reading a reading a box score as we speak. Um, so yeah, there's your soccer pick. Now, a story we have not talked about, but it's been in our rundown the entire week. Uh, <laughs> Anybody here aware of Darnell Rogers? Yes, he's been in our rundown yes. the entire yes. week. Yes, he's a UMBC five foot two transfer. He I is. only know that because I've read this every day on our sheet. Five foot two. <laughs> so you maybe have seen in the past some highlights of him going nuts in games where he knocks down a bunch of threes, but he's five two playing college basketball and he like legitimately looks tiny because other college basketball players are like six, seven, and he's a whole foot and a half shorter than him. Well, he's in the transfer portal, but here's the best part. The dude actually shoots really well. He's actually like above 38% from three in his career. 
I just want UNLV to add this kid in the transfer portal simply because he's tiny, and it'll be one of the most entertaining parts of UNLV basketball. I'm looking at him right now. He's from the Retrievers. He's Like you said, he's in the portal. Let me see this kid. Uh, started all 20 games. Um, let's say played seven before a hamstring injury, leg uh, abductor and groin injury. Oh, my God, another groin injury. Can't have that guy. Remember what we said about the groins and the bubble butts? I don't know, you, you want a 5-2 guy with a bad groin? This might, eh, that's right, he's not playing. 5-2 guy with a bad groin. The groins aren't very good, usually. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, 40% from three, they should call him no matter what, right? I don't care how tall he is. Is he a real 5-2, or is he like, you know, yes. is he five foot well, even and then five foot two no. in, 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 you know, <laughs> basketball sneakers? I absolutely believe he's five foot two because when you get quotes from him like, hey, I can play with everybody, nobody blocks my shot, then <laughs> I think he's admitting he's five two. No, I think I, I want no, Jared. I think for him they do the opposite. So normally basketball players they add a couple inches onto their height. Oh, they're doing the for Durant him, thing. He's actually like five four, but they're like, yeah, it's a better story if he's five two. Oh yeah. So yeah, they're they're going the they're going the opposite way with him. They're going down, making him shorter. So it's even more embarrassing when you don't block his shot. You're like, damn, that guy was five two. By the time he's at UNLV, UNLV will list him at five foot zero. He'll just be five foot even. And it'll be like, yep, that's a, that's as tall as he gets. Man, this kid against Caden just dribble oh. between his legs. <laughs> he'd go the he'd go the five hole with the ball and go right through like uh, like Conor McDavid last night. He wouldn't even be looking. Oh Jeez. man, he, did, he I... did that once. He did that once. Did he? Yes. He did? That's, that's why we want this kid because he's gonna dribble uh. through Nemesh Kada's legs. How does how do you not foul him? Like, he's, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, when someone's that little, like, I just was like, I, there's part of me that was just like, just push him. Okay. Just push him. Just push him. Jesus, Jared. That, what are you, bully you just bullying him. You just kids down? <laughs> Who, are you Grayson? Are you Grayson Allen tripping people on purpose? Jeez. No. no, I'm just being. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm, this I'm guy's, this guy's, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the, t- I'm looking at the thing. He's 5'2". Tyler, this guy's 5'2". He's absolutely 5'2". No question. <laughs> Heights brought to you by Ed Grady. (laughs) 